Hey, grab your Bibles this morning, if you will, please. Turn with me to the book of Joshua. One more time, one more time, we're going to look into the book of Joshua. Today, we're finishing up our series that we've um, called Your Time Now. And um, we've been focusing on the time when God's people went from being wanderers in the wilderness to becoming warriors in the promised land. God brought them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. And we've talked about that over the last few months, how that, uh, or over the last few weeks, how that God um, brought his people across the Jordan River. He took them through some very um, amazing processes. And, and then if we were to read on and go to the end of the book of, Jer- uh, of, of uh, Joshua, we would find out that um, the people of Israel experienced what some people call the, the, the greatest time in the history of Israel. For about 40 years, they experienced every time they went to battle and when the Lord led them and they were obedient, God, they, they, they took territory, they won blessings, they, they received bounty, they expanded, the, they, they took over um, the promised land, they expanded the, the kingdom of God. And so it was just, it was their glory days. And and can I tell you, I believe that, that that's something that God wants to work in each and every one of our lives. He, he wants us to continue to grow. He wants us to continue to, to possess the land. He wants us to continue to experience the blessing of God in our lives. And so this morning, as we kind of wrap things up, draw things here to a conclusion, I want to talk about just a couple of important keys to making this your time now. All right, and so we're we're going to wrap up here, but I do want to encourage you go read the rest of the book of um, of Joshua. Go go from Jericho on forward and watch some of the incredible things that God does, and let that be an example, as the Scripture says, an example for us. And so um so today we're going to um we're going to look at some of the keys to making this our time now, and and then the number one thing that we're going to be talking about today is that. That the, the big key that God um, kind of unveils through the book of Joshua is the key about of submission, of having our hearts and our lives fully and completely submitted to Him, about being a people who walk in obedience. Obedience. And I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life where um where obedience was a, a, a difficult thing in a I, I can remember in um, third grade. And Danny and I were talking about this, and um, that, that I, I, I did. It, did anybody here really think that chairs were just optional when you were in school? I mean, so uh, I can remember I had a teacher. Of course, you'd get arrested and thrown in jail for this now, but uh, she tied me in my chair. Now I'm processing it. I'm almost over it, but. Um, but, you know, man, this, it was like, you know, the rules, the rules were for other people. You know, I, I, I had other plans. I had a different agenda. But, but can I tell you this, that until we learn to be people fully submitted to God, walking in obedience to God, walking for, in his plans and his purposes, we're going to miss out on it being our time now. And I don't want to see that happen for one man or one woman, one person, one family, one marriage here today. Amen? So um, let's jump in. The first thing as we look into Joshua, to the book of Joshua, that we see was that the, the people of God submitted themselves to the Word of God. To the Word of God. They... They crossed over the Jordan River. They consecrated themselves. They, they obeyed the Lord when it came to the wonderful gift and blessing of circumcision. 
I'm still not sure how that was a reward, but, um, but they, uh, they had been, uh, they, 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 they obeyed the Lord. They did what he said to do. They, they followed him in absolute, complete obedience. And now as we come to chapter 6, we find out that it's time for them to obey the Lord in taking action. Here we read last week, and we're talking about today, the fact that that they were people then, they were going to go conquer Jericho, conquer the first city in the promised land. And and the only way they could do that was to, to be obedient to the Lord. So they were learning step by step, process by process, to obey the Lord. It's kind of like us. When we come to know the Lord, when we get saved, and, and then we obey the Lord in baptism. And let me just say this, if, if you haven't been baptized since you became a believer and you would like to be baptized, please call the church office, please let us know. We want to help you walk in obedience to the Lord and follow the Lord in obedience in every area because that obedience will bring blessing. It's, it's like going from salvation to baptism to being filled with the Holy Spirit to, to, to continue to grow in the grace and the works of God in our lives and then to take action. Just like they took action to take the city of Jericho, we take action as witnesses in the world. The scripture says that, that when we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that then we are witnesses, we are his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the other part, most parts of the world. Amen? That means like from, from Tyler, you know, to Gresham, to Flint, maybe even go all the way to Bullard, right? I mean, we're going we're gonna to reach the world because God has empowered us. We're going to be the people that he wants us to be. So they line up, they start to, to march. One day they go and they march and they keep their mouths shut. Remember we talked about this, which was an interesting thing. God said, not a word comes out of your mouth. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think if I was out there marching, I'd be grumbling about the hot, the heat, the, the, the sand in my, my sandal, the rocks, the why are those people staring at us behind the walls there? Why aren't we doing something? Man, we, we'd have to figure this whole issue out, wouldn't we? It says that they walked. They, they, they kept walking. They, they did it day after day. They did exactly what God said until God told them to open their mouth. And when he opened their mouth, he told them to shout. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not really a shouter. You know, it's like, that's not really my thing anymore. I used to shout. I mean, let's word a ball game or something like that, right? Like, uh, like today already somebody, you know, talked about how Green Bay was going to beat Washington. I thought, you know, we just rebuke that in the name of the Lord. And, uh, right, I mean, we can shout, right? And, and we get all excited. How many people think it's okay to, to shout in the house of God? How about the rest of us? How many people think it's okay to shout in the name of, okay, in the house of the Lord? Yeah. So we can shout. We can, at the word of the Lord, they did what he said. They did something that might have been outside of their comfort zones. So they submitted themselves. um, They submitted themselves in spite of what they felt, in spite of what they um, might like. They did it in obedience. And as they followed the word of the Lord, as they walked in the word of the Lord in obedience, God blessed them. And that's a great example. That's a great thing for us to know today. That as we walk in the Lord and as we obey the word of the Lord, God will bless us. And because and through that, he'll bless others. Now, does anybody here ever struggle with just obeying, not not just the big ten, not the ten commandments, but just obeying the promptings of the Lord? Does anybody ever have a prompting from the Lord? 
Um, I, um, I was kind of one in one this week, all right? So um, I, um, I had a situation, and, and there may have been other times, but man, driving into work on Monday, I, um, I saw um, right at kind of at 69 uh, South Broadway and the New Loop, I saw that an accident had taken place. And when I saw the accident, I noticed that there was a truck. And as soon as I saw the truck in my spirit, I said, oh, that's so-and-so's truck. And I went, ah, no, that can't be them. They're already in their office and stuff. And, but as I was driving up, I kept, it was like looking. And then I was looking back to see. And in my heart, at the prompting of the Lord, at the word of the Lord, I knew that it was them. So I drove on in, and then they weren't where they were supposed to be, and I tried to call them and didn't get an answer. And, and later that evening, I called them, and I found out that it was them, that they, a matter of the police cars hadn't shown up yet. I mean, the accident. And I thought, Lord, I'm so sorry. God, there was an opportunity where I could have, could have been, you know, your hands, your, could have been present to help a brother in need. And, and just because I ignored the prompting of the Lord, I missed that opportunity. Now, I, I know that anybody here ever missed an opportunity like that? Man, I don't want to do that I don't, I, because I, wanted to, I want to be a blessing. And I, and I actually apologized to this guy later in the day. And so um, I, don't, don't be condemned about it because, you know what? Our God loves us so much he gives us other, another chance. I, I personally believe that in America right now, that's what we're experiencing even in our government situation. I believe God's saying, I'm giving you another chance. And I want to make the best of the chances that God gives us. Anybody want to make the best of the chances that God gives them? I certainly do. You know, on Friday, um, I was blessed to be able to spend the entire day, <laughs> the entire day with Yvette. <laughs> she is, I don't know why she's laughing. <laughs> we got up in the morning, and we left in the car, and we spent the whole day together <laughs> in the car. And we went from place to place and store to store and I can't even explain. Words fail to explain what kind of a day it was. It was wonderful being with her. It was just, it, it is. I like being with you. I love you. I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready for another whole day. But, uh, but, but, I'm, but, I, but it was good. It was it's good. It was, it was something. I'm telling you, it was something. <laughs> All right, a little, there's a little inside story there. So uh, years ago, there was this friend that we knew that um, pastored a church, and he said this, uh, this lady kept coming up to him saying, oh, pastor, you've got to see, I've got the most beautiful grandbaby in the whole world. And so week after week, she kept telling him, so finally one day they brought the grandbaby to church and said they brought the grandbaby in and brought it up to the pastor. And he looked, he said, man, that was the ugliest baby he'd ever seen in his life. He wasn't even sure. Oh, come on. It's, he said, it was, he said he, she said, Pastor, what do you think? He goes, oh, you are right. That is some baby there. So it was some day. I'm telling you, it was, it was amazing. But, but, you know, we were driving along later in the afternoon. We were coming across uh, 346. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the Lord put somebody on my heart that, that doesn't worship here, that's just... Just out of the blue, God put somebody on my heart. And so um, I, while Yvette was singing or talking to somebody or sleeping, so I just picked up my phone. And don't do this. Don't text while you're driving, all right? But I just picked up the phone and um, sp spoke a little voice message to this person. And in just a couple minutes, I'm, I mean, literally almost immediately, this guy replied back and he said, he goes, Pastor, he, goes, uh, he said, Sam, I don't know what this is, if it's a God thing or whatever. He goes, but thank you for texting. He said, I'm sitting on my phone right now watching pornography. 
He said, and thank you. Thank you for the reminder. And I just, and so we just began to engage. We began, and can I tell you, he said, I repent to you. I repent to God. I confess my sin. And you could sense that there was a movement that was taking place in his life. Now listen, that doesn't validate me. Can I tell you who it validates? It validates the fact that we've got a loving God who cares about his people. Amen? And so how many times, so we, we don't want to be people who miss the word of God speaking in us and through us. Amen? We want to be people who yield. We want to be people who are obedient so we can be blessed and so others can be blessed. So the people of the Lord submitted themselves. Submitted themselves. What time is it? Is it, uh, what time is it? Okay. Our clock is a little bit off. It's, I can't tell. It's like 12.55 right now, 12.35. So, uh, so, um, so anyhow, time for me to hurry up, right? Move on. Okay. So, Okay. Pastor Chris said amen to that. So, uh, okay, secondly, they submitted themselves to the when, to the when. As we mentioned last week, the people were told to walk around the city. But you know what? They weren't told how many times they were going to walk around the city. Joshua knew, but the people didn't know. So what they were told was just to start walking and to be obedient to the Lord and to do what they were told. And day after day, they did that. Now, remember, they're told they're going for a walk, and they're just going to start walking around the city. Now, that may sound like a really cool thing to you, but they had just been walking for 40 years in the wilderness. That'd be like getting off of a drive across country and somebody saying, let's take a ride. I don't know about you, but I'm like, nah, man, I'm going to pass on this one, you know. And here they are. They said, no, we're going to obey the Lord. We're going to walk. We're going to walk at the command of the Lord. And I wonder how many of us would have said, no, well, first of all, tell me, where are we going and, and, and how long are we going to walk and what are we going to do and, and give me the specifics and, and tell me, um, give me all the whys and what's going to happen if I do this. And, and God didn't give them any of that. And can I tell you, there's still times in our lives when God says, just do it. Just do what I say, do it when I say do it and be obedient and be submitted and then you'll see the results. Amen. God's worthy of being obeyed. He's worthy of being trusted. So they, they, were, they were obedient to the when. And I think in our world that sometimes it's much more different, it's much more difficult to obey and submit to the when of God than it is the what of God. Right? I want you to go, you know, conquer. I want you to go, I want you to be free. I want you to be healed. Okay, when, when, when? I think, God, we've got to be a people who are submitted and obedient to the win of God. How long do I hang in there with that unbelieving spouse? Until. Until. Amen? Until. But I haven't got that position yet. My healing hasn't come yet. I still don't have the money to pay the bill to fix the car, to get the new shoes for the kids. The temptation is to give up on the dream, is to forget the promise. But can I tell you... When we are struggling with the promise, we're struggling with the dream. That's when we need to turn our eyes to the one who gives the promise. Amen. It's when we need to focus on the one who gives the dream. It's the focus on the one who will make all things possible. The temptation there is to give up. So how can my life impact the world? Uh, how can the, my life impact the world in my situation? Can I tell you this? Situations change. No matter what situation you're in, no matter where you're at in life, can I tell you that God in an instant can change your situation so you can change the world. So, so don't give up. Don't, don't quit. Don't, don't, don't stop submitting. Stop obeying the Lord when, when the timing is the issue. More than ever, 
more than ever, I, can, I, I um, encourage you to just say, I'm going to walk day one. I'm going to walk day two. I'm going to walk day three. I'm not going to quit until I'm not going to give up until God has fulfilled his promises. Amen? Amen? You know, there really wasn't anything special about the seven days. God could have really taken care of it in one day. But I believe that he had two purposes, at least two purposes. One of the purposes was just a continual sign of grace to a heathen people. He continually let the people of God march before, uh, before them. And they, they, they got to see the people worshiping God. They got to see people walking in order and obedience to God. So it was a constant reminder. Listen, there's an option You have an option. You don't have to stay locked behind your walls. You don't have to stay locked in your disbelief. You don't have to stay locked in your paganism. There's another answer. And can I tell you today, there's there's another answer for your pain. There's another answer for your disappointment. There's another answer for your struggles. And that answer is Jesus. That answer is the Lord God Almighty, the one who, who is there to save us. But I also think he was doing something in the people of God. Not just through them, not just as a witness and to the heavens and to the pagans. I believe that he was, he was doing something in them. I said this last week. I think that maybe they started out looking at the walls and looking at the problem and how are we going to do this and what are we going to have to do and how are the walls going to come down and, and we, we're really not a, an army. How are we going to get swords? How are we going to defeat this people? And all of a sudden God says, hey, I want to get your eyes off of the problem and get your eyes on the promise. Amen. So they started circling. In day one, they were looking at promises, or they were looking at problems, but I believe by the time they get finished, they were looking at the promise. And when God said, shout, they shouted with victory. And God brought them to a place where they could receive what he had promised. And can I tell you this? If you'll keep walking, if you'll keep being obedient, if you'll keep trusting in God, if you'll get your eyes off of the problem and off of the debt and off of the hurt and off of the pain and off of the disappointment and onto the one who can solve all of your problems and heal all of your issues and make all things possible, can I tell you that your perspective will change? Your perspective will change. I believe, uh, and this kind of brings me to another thing here, but that we have to trust Um, We have to be obedient to God's ways. God's ways go beyond our ways. They go beyond our ability. They go beyond our understanding. God's ways go beyond us. Uh, Some things in your life, let me say this, some things in your life and some things in my life, God will give us a plan and and God will give us endurance and God will give us a strategy and, and God will bring victory through these things. But there are some things. There are some issues, there are some circumstances in our life that will only be defeated, will only, uh, they will only change because of a divine, supernatural work of God. Amen? There are some things that, that only the manifestation of the supernatural is going to change the, that, that person's heart or change that fiscal situation or change that relationship. It's only going to be a divine work of God. And, and I personally believe, I believe that as we go forward in the world in which we live today, that more and more and more we're going to see the supernatural works of God. I thought somebody else might agree with that. How many people want to see the supernatural works of God? I want to see that. I want to see it. I want to see it in in our homes. I want to see the supernatural provision of God. I want to see relationships that, that, that go beyond, that are so filled with the, the manifest presence of God that, that they walk together in unity no matter how difficult the circumstance or situation. 
I want to see homes so filled with the presence of God that like we have here today, that there are young people that are raised up with passion and zeal, that the appetite for the world has passed away and all they want to do is, is serve the king and in the kingdom. And they want to make a difference around the world and across the street. I believe it's going to take a super, supernatural work. And can I tell you that that, that supernatural work, I believe, I believe began in worship. It began as they began to be people that walked with the Lord. And, you know, for 40 years, I don't know what this would have been like, for 40 years, many of these people, they had seen a pillar of fire by night. They'd seen a manifest witness of the, of the, the presence of God in a cloud by day. They step into the promised land and it's not there anymore. Anybody ever felt like maybe God isn't with you? <laughs> Anybody said, oh man, I've been experiencing marvelous, wonderful things, incredible things, and all of a sudden it's not there. And so instead of looking to the sky and seeing the presence, they all of a sudden had to get their eyes on a box that was now the Ark of the Covenant. They were now following God as priests carried a box. They had to get their eyes on a new place and they had to adapt to some new things. And let me tell you, church, We've got to be a people who don't put God in a box or God in a cloud or God in a fire, but says, God, I'll follow you however you lead me. God, I'll be a people who I'm ready to move into some new seasons. I'm, willing, I'm ready to follow you in new ways. And, and so sometimes it takes a little time. And day one, I believe they started to getting, all of a sudden they went, wait, wait a minute, this is new. This isn't how we've done it in the past. This isn't the way it used to be done. This isn't how it used to happen. And, and all of a sudden they began to say, wait a minute, God is doing a new thing. And, and I'm going to get myself in alignment with God's new thing. Amen? How many people know God's the God of the new? Amen? God can do new things. Anybody ready for God to do a new thing in your life? Anybody ready to bring you to a new place? Anybody? I'm telling you, you know where it's going to start? It's going to start in worship. And so as they listened to the, as they saw the priests and saw the presence of God and, and listened to the horns of worship blow, can I tell you, they began to experience something because worship brings us into the presence of God. And in the presence of God is where life begins to flow. It's where faith gets increased. Amen? I'm telling you, you want an increase in your faith, it's going to begin in worship. It's going to begin in the presence of the God. It's going to begin in the presence of God. So I believe that they were learning to stay disciplined, to stay focused on God, no matter how close the enemy was, no matter how big the problem was, when things are the toughest, when things are the toughest in our lives, can I tell you, that's when we need the most to be people who are worshiping, people who, who praise the Lord. I, I don't know about you, but in, and uh, I don't know where she's at. Uh, Jennifer, where's Jennifer at? Uh, Jennifer um, said when we were back here praying, or they, the worship team, she goes, I just feel a desperation I feel a complete need for God. I just, and dependence upon the Lord. And can I tell you, that's the best place you'll ever live is when we're dependent on the Lord. And if God doesn't give me the strength and if God doesn't give me the wisdom and if God doesn't give me the ability, then it just will not happen. It won't happen. We want to be a people completely dependent on the Lord. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, when things are the toughest, worship and praise the Lord. Don't walk to the presence of, don't walk to the presence of God. <laughs> don't walk to the presence of God. Run. 
In my, uh, in my, on my notes here, it says rum. So, <laughs> so, if you can't run to the Lord, I guess that's the second best option. I don't know. That's right. So, uh, no, don't rum. Run to the Lord. Amen. Run to the Lord. Let me encourage you. Run to the Lord. Amen. Let's run to him in our worship. Let's run to him in our heart. And let's run to him. And here the, the, the Lord says, okay, I'm, I deliver the city to you. And now, and now I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to take, I want you to take the city. I want you to take the city and I want you to give it as an offering. I want you to give it as an offering. I, I, I want you to take all of the, 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 the things of value, the, the silver and the gold, and I want you to put it into the house of the Lord. Everything else, I want it to be burned. I want it to be sacrificed. I, I, honestly, how many people think that just doesn't make sense? There are good flocks and good herds and, and there's good houses and, and good things that could be used for our benefit. How many, how many people know that God doesn't always make sense? How many people are glad God doesn't always make sense? Amen? If he was a God that we could figure out, he may not be a big enough God, right? So they said, you know what? It didn't make practical sense, but in the economy of the kingdom of God, giving the first, obeying God, trusting him beyond ourself or our senses, God's wanting to help them understand that the land wasn't what was going to provide for them. He was going to be the one that provided for them. Amen? That the source was not the bounty from the victory. The source was the one who gave the victory. And folks, I'm telling you, this has got to be something burned into our hearts. Listen, when we talk about money and giving, it's not just about the money and the giving. It's not just, it's about who do we trust? What do we trust in? Is our trust in our dollars? Is our trust in our jobs? Is our trust in our own financial plans? Or is it our trust in God, Jehovah, Jireh, the great provider? Is he the one that we're going to look to? I, I, I say yes today. I say yes, let's trust him. God doesn't need our money, but you know what? We need his covering, amen? We need his favor. We need his blessing in our lives. I'm, I'm serious. Listen, I, I, I know, okay, this is not necessarily, I didn't even have this in my notes, but, but look, I, I pray, we pray, okay, for, for, for you as, as, as givers, as tithers, as, as people who have generous hearts to, to, to trust the Lord, you know, every week, every month, however it is you get paid, you get an opportunity to either worship the Lord in money with your financial abilities, or you get to, you get to trust in the income. Uh, and I want to encourage you to, to know that the only, inc the only plan, the only economic plan that will ever be able to sustain you is the economy of God, is the economy of the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and you know, I, um, how many people know that scripture where it says... Um, uh, the, the Philippians 4.13. Anybody know Philippians 4.13? Everybody knows Philippians 4.13, right? Tim Tebow, 4.13, or 4.13 and, and everybody's got it tattooed, and they hold up signs now, Philippians 4.13. What's it say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Do, do you know the co context of that, of that scripture? Uh, put, put this up on there, guys, on the, script, on the, the, on the, uh, the screen there, please. Philippians 4, okay, beginning, beginning at chapter... I mean, verse 10, right? So there it says, okay, so, so Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and here's what he says. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. 
Though you surely did care, but you lacked the opportunity. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about finances. He's saying that, that, listen, I know you guys cared for me, but you didn't have an opportunity or a way to get support to me, finances to me. He says, but, but, but now this opportunity is coming. Go on, verse, okay? He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. That's a great lesson to learn right there. Amen? Amen to learn. I've abounded, I've received much, I've had little, but I know how to be content with the Lord. Next verse, okay? I know how to be abased and how to abound everywhere and in all things. I've learned both to be full and hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Okay? Listen to what he's saying. I know how to to have a lot, to have little. I know to to be able to do all, you know, I've I've had more than enough and and not enough. But he goes on and and then, listen, now here in the midst of this financial discussion, look what he says, verse 13. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's saying Christ is my resource. Christ is my provision. Christ is the one that, that puts gas in my tank. And Christ is the one that puts food on my table. And Christ is the one that puts clothes on my back. Amen? I'm going to trust in his provision. Go on. Verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Next verse, okay? He says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning the giving and receiving, but only you. Now, let me stop right there. How many people would have liked to have been a part of the Philippian church that received that word of praise? I mean, I would. I'd love to have it recorded in the eternal word of God that I was part of the group that helped resource Paul in his moment of need. Hallelujah. Go on. All right. For even in Thessalonica, you, once, uh, you sent aid once again for my necessities. And not that I seek the gift, but the, I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So listen. When you see Philippians 4.13, leave that verse up there, please. When you see Philippians 4.13 on the football fields today, can I, can I ask you to put it in this context? Okay, I can do all things with Christ. Christ is my resource. I, I, I don't need your love offering. I don't need your gift. Let me say for New Covenant Church, we don't need your finances. Okay? Now, through God's economy, he uses that to to sustain and pay bills and build buildings and all that kind of stuff and, and resource the work of the kingdom of God around the world. But listen to this. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I want to see every person here abounding and fully resourced and having more than enough. I want to see every person here, their lives filled with the fruitfulness of being people who are faithful with what God puts into our hands. Amen? The people here, they knew that one of the keys to possessing the land, one of the keys was to walk, to obey the Lord when it came to giving. Folks, let let me tell you, it really boils down to a choice, not just in giving, but in everything. It boils down to a choice that we are either going to, um, to trust in our own ability, we're either going to trust in our own resources, or we're going to trust in the Lord. Amen? Honestly, we're, we're either going to walk in obedience to the Lord, or we're going to choose to walk, we're going to choose to walk in sin. 
I mean, isn't that kind of what, and again, I don't want, I don't forget condemnation and all this, but you know, the Bible talks about sin and, and there's, we, we want to stay away from sin. We want to stay out of sin because, because sin brings harm in our lives. It brings, it, it works, it works difficult. It works. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. That's what sin does. It, it steals, it kills, it destroys real quickly. Let's look over to Joshua uh, chapter seven, uh, Joshua chapter 7. Okay, God, Listen, God's plan is to fill our lives with life, life, blessings, identity, promises. But, but you know what? Sin working in our lives will bring a different result. Chapter 7 of, of the book of Joshua, there's a man. Okay, they've taken the city and there's a man. His name is Achan. Achan goes in. He's going into the city. The walls have fallen down. And all of a sudden, he, he has a temptation. Anybody ever had a temptation? Okay. Four of us. Okay. Um, no, we've all had temptations, right? Every man is tempted, okay? But it says here in, in chapter 7 that, that he didn't just, um, wasn't just tempted, but he yielded to the temptation. Now, now here's what I put in my, um, in my notes. I put, sin makes us selfish, greedy, and stupid. Amen. <laughs> Has anybody ever experienced sin making you stupid? Has anybody ever done something and gone, why in the world? That was the stupidest thing I've ever done. I, I, do you know what I'm talking about? And, and so let, let's take a look at this because I, I think this is hilarious, all right? Uh, it's sad, but it, it's funny. So Achan commits the sin. He goes in. He steals some stuff. And the, the children of Israel, now, again, I believe they acted presumptuously. They went out. Let me tell you this. No presumption in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ. Amen. But look, look at what happens here in verse um, in verse, um, let's begin at uh, verse 16, all right? So Joshua rose early in the morning. He brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zerahites, and he brought the family of the Zerahites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought this household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah was taken. So Joshua said to Achan, in verse 19, my son, I beg you, give glory to God. Okay, glory, confess your sin, all right? And so now he makes confession. He says, tell me what you've done and do not hide it. Now, now listen, don't hide our sins, confess our sins. And then look at this, verse 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. Here's what I've done. When I saw the spoils, a beautiful Babylonian garment. I don't know if it was Chris or somebody else pointed out. So he sees a beautiful Babylonian garment and he steals it. It begs the question, where's he going to wear it? <laughs> I mean, what's he going to do with it? I mean, it's not like he's going to, in all of the children of Israel, he's going to be the one wearing a Babylonian garment and nobody's going to notice, right? It, sin makes us stupid. We do stupid things. What's he going to do with it? So then he goes on and he says, and then I took um, 200 shekels of Babylonian silver and a wedge of Babylonian gold. Where's he going to spend it? What's he going to do? You know, 
Doesn't sin make you do some silly things? And so look, he takes these valuable things when he had been told not to, and look what he says. I coveted them, and I took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. And Joshua sent messengers, and they went into his tent, and they, they got to the middle of his tent, and they dug up through the dirt, and they found the hidden things. You know what sin makes us do? Sin makes us hide things, doesn't it? Sin makes us bury things. Sin takes things that we think are so valuable. And what do we do? We have to put them into a place where they're, they're of no value in our life. He took these valuable things and he buried them. And can I tell you that, that that's never going to work blessing in your life. It's never going to be productive in your life. It's, as a matter of fact, his sin brought about shame to him and to his family, and ultimately it brought death to him and death to others. That's not the way you're going to possess. It's not the way you're going to possess your, your promised land. It's not the way you're going to live by allowing sin to be part of your life. We want to be a people who say, no way. I'm not going to yield to sin. I'm not going to yield to temptation. The only thing I'm going to yield to, I'm going to be obedient to the word of the Lord. I'm going to be obedient to the, the when of the Lord. And I'm going to be obedient to the way of the Lord. How many people think that's a better plan? Amen. Amen. Amen.